Friday Locked On Lines, we get ready for the Bucks game. Brad Spielberger from PFF will join us. You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's good, everybody? Matt Derry with you on a Friday edition of Locked On Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Indeed, your team every day. It's Friday the 13th, October 13th, and a Saturday, October 14th. Lions at 425 Sunday will be in Tampa to take on the Bucks. Those of you watching on YouTube, you can see them on the screen. Brad Spielberger, our buddy from Pro Football Focus, is going to join us momentarily. couple of items first and foremost. Yes, I'm well aware. Everybody that's hit me up on Twitter at Derry Speaks at Locked On Lions, Yesterday's crossover with James Yarko from the Lockdown Bucks when he did say, and Brad will laugh at this, if Aiden Hutchinson went up against Tristan Wirfs 100 times, Wirfs would win 99 times. I did hear that, okay? Everybody is like, why didn't you go off on him? I'm not going to start screaming during the crossover with James. I like James. James is 100% wrong on this. Uh, we all make mistakes. We all say stupid stuff on these shows. So, yes, I heard it. Yeah, they probably won't match up against each other. Wirfs is a really good player. But yes, I was made, I, I did catch that. Everybody's like, how did you not jump down his throat? It's not my style uh, to do that. That was his opinion. That's number one. Number two, injury-wise, and we'll get into this with Brad as well. Sam Laporta's calf injury should be fine. He should be able to go this weekend. Amon Ross St. Brown should be good to go. Jameer Gibbs, we'll see. Brian Branch, I'm not very confident, will play Sunday against the Bucks. With that as the backdrop, Brad Spielberger is here from PFF. Brad, this is a uh, an intriguing Sunday late afternoon game now, isn't it? It's pretty intriguing. The Bucks obviously playing better football than they have in the last, you know, on offense at least, even with Tom Brady last year. Um, doing some different things, some different wrinkles we'll get into. But yeah, maybe preseason we didn't circle this one as an interesting game, but it, it certainly is now. So if Aiden Hutchinson went up against Tristan Wirfs 100 times, what number would you give it in terms of how many times Wirfs would win? <laughs> Here's how I'll dodge this question masterfully. The beauty of Aiden Hutchinson is that he moves all around. I mean, first of all, as you know, he primarily goes up against right tackles. But secondly, you know, that's the beauty of being able to kick him inside and move him all around the formation is that you you can avoid good matchups. Look, I think Tristan Wirfs might be the best tackle in the entire NFL. I'll say that. But Aiden Hutchinson is playing like a top five edge defender in the NFL as well. So... Out of 100, he'd get them, you know, 10, 15 times. It sounds low, but that's actually a pretty decent number, uh, you know, on a, on a per pass rush snap basis. Yeah, I don't know about one, uh, but, you know, it's not, <laughs> I'm not going to say 50 either to, to pander to the audience. Uh, oh, come on. You know, uh, Lions fans are uh, are fired up right now. Um, you know, it's interesting. They moved this game to 425, then they don't give us Kevin Burkhart and, and the number one crew. And the national game, I guess, is Eagles and Jets. Um, not that, you know, we need to talk about the announcers. I know Adam Mean and those guys will do well and Moose. But um, it is kind of strange. They move this to, to late afternoon, isn't it? But then you look up and go, all right, Tampa Bay's playing pretty well. When when, when the league makes moves like this, what, what's, what's that all about, you think? 
Yeah, I mean, they, I think it's now we're entering into flex season. It still is kind of tough. You know, I know, we've talked with Chris Collinsworth at NBC about some of the flex options. He was not referring to Giants-Bills this weekend, I promise. He wasn't trying <laughs> to change that game. Wink, wink, wink. Uh, no, like, they, you know, they, they obviously now are in that zone and can do these things. But it still is complicated. You know, we talk with the announcers. They probably have all their logistics already ironed out, things like that. But, no, it, it shows respect. I mean, you get the, the debut kickoff game against the Chiefs, which you win, and you're playing good football still. Get, get ready for a lot of 4 o'clocks and, and Sunday night and Monday night. I know it's rare territory for, for Lions fans out there, but get, get ready for it. Get used to it. Poor, Colin, poor Collinsworth and Tarico on Sunday night. I mean, Giants, Bills. And, and I get it. It's a New York market, but I, I'm tired of watching the Giants, Brad. Already, I'm tired of it. You and me, you and me both. I, I mean, it is, <laughs> it, they're, they're hard to watch. Uh, just, yeah. They're not even fun bad. They're just bad. <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting to see Taylor play. I mean, I haven't seen Tyrod Taylor, but it seems like I haven't seen him play in 10 years. So that ought to be uh, intriguing. All right, uh, Bucks, give us a, a quick, I want to get, obviously talk a lot of lines, but why is Tampa three and one? What's going on there? The biggest thing really is bringing in Dave Canales, the quarterback's coach, and maybe pass game coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks, now their offensive coordinator. The Buccaneers were dead last in the NFL last year in play action rate. They're now first in the NFL in play action rate. And obviously, you're going to have a different offense with Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield. You know, a 44-year-old Tom Brady is not trying to turn his back to a defense. But th their offense was so static and so stale last year. They had no motion like I said, no play action. Hey, all their routes were like comebackers, and, and it was just so, you know, just like I said, a static offense. And so I think what you're seeing from Canales is he's getting the playmakers, catching the ball while moving, you know, in space, not, not just in space, but also with a head of steam. So the Lions for us this year are about eight in, in coverage grade against play action. They're, I think, um, like seventh or, or so in terms of EPA per drop back allowed on play action, but that has to be the number one thing to keep an eye on. They can't really run the football that well in Tampa still, but they don't care. They still run a lot of play action, let Baker roll out from the pocket, move to his left, to his right. The biggest thing for me, too, is you got to get Baker Mayfield on the ground. He is having the most outlier season of his career by an yeah. order of magnitudes. He usually His pressure to sack rate is usually in the 30s. Right now it's about 3.5%. Uh, so he's been getting pressure, but he's actually done a very good job of avoiding it. You need Aiden and, and Aleem and, and Kaminsky, et cetera, et cetera, to get him down on the ground, get those sacks, make them lose some yards. You know, the, the keys that for the last three weeks, all Lion wins, as you know, have just been, they've just pounded people on the ground and put teams away with the running game. And you look at the Tampa Bay, it's interesting. I said this maybe yesterday into James on Thursday or maybe Wednesday and Thursday. Bucks run defense is fine in regular numbers, PFF numbers, ESPN advanced analytics. I guess the run defense is dead last. It, it's weird how that works, but do you think the Lions can, can do what they've been doing against this Tampa uh, defense? Yeah, their grade is poor, but again, just to reference, you know, EPA per play, which, you know, folks probably know, but an efficiency metric, kind of looking at the actual context of the play, they're middle of the pack. And obviously, historically, they've been a phenomenal run defense. Um, you know, I think you're getting a healthy Vita Vea who looks like 2021 Vita Vea, not 2022 Vita Vea. You know, Devin White, uh, obviously, you know, he probably has a lot to do with that negative grade. I do think for us a little bit, we kind of downgrade him for how good of an athlete he is that he over pursues sometimes and misses some tackles, but probably in a position to make a tackle that most guys can't get in. So I still think this is a good run defense and a unit you should be afraid of to a degree. Um, look, they've had injuries in the secondary to Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Those guys both should be back now coming off their bye. I think you're going to see, you know, statistically whatever, this is a better defense than their numbers would suggest from a talent standpoint. 
Brad Spielberger are with us on this Friday edition of Lockdown Lions, brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NFL. Use code all in lowercase lockdown NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. All right. So it's interesting. You mentioned, uh, you know, just the, the way the Bucks linebackers have played. And I've always been a big Levante David fan. Uh, but it seems like the Bucks are getting Kalijah Cansey healthy. I mocked him to the Lions 50 times and got mocked by my listeners. But do you think he'll go? And what what kind of a difference would that make? You and me both. I think every mock I did had Kalaja Kansi going to the Lions with that 18th overall pick. Um, he's a good player. He, he's been pretty good out of the gate already. He is, as of right now, in his young season, he, he's kind of not a pass rush specialist, but he's not exactly a great early down guy. Uh, you're going to see him, though, on, in passing situations, second long, third and long. He's going to come out there. And, you know, obviously the, the interior now, Graham Glasgow steps in, plays very good football, I thought, last week. I didn't even look at his grade, but I thought the film was really good for him. Yeah. That depth is important. You, you know, Ragnow, obviously, dealing with stuff the whole year, but looks to be okay. Jonah, kind of the same thing. They have a lot of guys that can rush the passer. They do, you know, Todd Bowles dials up a lot of different looks and is a still, I think, one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL, you know, ignoring his head coach game management type of stuff. So I think you're going to see a lot. And they're going to try to confuse Jared Goff and and make him feel uncomfortable. They rotate coverage a lot, all those things. So, yeah, I think Kalaja is going to have opportunities where he gets some one-on-ones. He's fast. He's quick. He has good use of his hands for a rookie player. Um, it's going to be, a, you know, an important matchup. Brad Spielberger from PFF joining us. You guys also, just to kind of piggyback off the O-line talk, uh, Pro Football Focus has the Lions number two in terms of uh, offensive lines. Only Philadelphia is better. We know that's why the Eagles have been so successful the last couple of years. Uh, that's that's pretty good company, isn't it, Brad? That's the best company you can have uh, in an offensive line grading metric, no question about it. What makes – why are they two? Is it because of just the, the, this, this ground game that's been so good? Obviously, Jared Goff really hasn't been touched either, but – Going into the season, everybody thought top five, top three for some, um, but maybe maybe the depth is a big factor too. Huge. I think it's a mix of both. I mean, you talk about actually in the first week, uh, Halapulavati Vitae, first couple of weeks, he was great and, and was playing really good football, especially as a road grader, really just kind of you know moving people in, in the run game. But I think the reason they're number two is because they are good in both facets. I mean, Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell, you know, I, I guess Decker probably a better pass protector than a run blocker. Sewell, I, I think borderline elite in both categories. And then on the interior, all those guys, Look, I mean, you saw a lot of Evan Brown and, and different players last year as they were dealing with injuries. Obviously, again, we just talked about they're still, you know, nicks and bruises, but they look healthier, they look fresher. And then also, I think, you know, I mean, Jamal Williams obviously was a good early down guy last year too, but I think David Montgomery, and this kind of goes into the, the whole Jameer Gibbs, you know, controversy, so to speak. Is he the best running back in the world? No. Is he the most dynamic guy that's going to break off 80 yard runs? No, but he's patient. He knows how to let a hole develop. He knows not to miss opportunities to cut back. And basically, he takes advantage of this offensive line very well. I know he's averaging like four yards a carry, but but you see very few zeros. And you see a lot of four yards in a cloud of dust. And we maybe view that in a negative connotation. If this team, with this defense, if you're staying ahead of the chains, that's really all you need. And it's working quite well. War with Brad Spielberger coming up next. I want to do want to ask him about Jameer Gibbs a little bit and uh, just what the Lions also are doing on the defensive side. But Lockdown Lions today is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. We want to tell you about Jace Medical because everybody should be empowered to take care of themselves, their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind 
So you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the meds in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. The folks at Jace are great. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Back with Mr. Brad Spielberger, uh, Spielberger from PFF. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore uh, Brad. You, you said this before, just Jameer Gibbs controversy, because it went back to draft night, and you and I were, were talking about that a while ago. But uh, now Scotty Montgomery, the Lions running backs coach, has come out and said, oh, this is exactly how we wanted it to be with Montgomery and Gibbs. And for some, including me, I'm going, wait a minute. I drafted him in fantasy. I thought he'd explode. I thought he'd be more in the passing game. Uh PFF, you guys are in love with Jalen Carter, not so much with Gibbs. You know, are, are we jumping the gun a little bit? It's very, very early. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, look, he is a special, specific talent. Like you said, as a pass catcher, you'd like to see him more involved. I think, especially during the Jam Jamison Williams suspension and with injuries to Amon Ra, I would have liked to see more, you know, 21 personnel and, and get both those guys on the field and cause some headaches. I mean, far be it for me to critique a Ben Johnson offense. But, you know, I think there were, you know, maybe wrinkles you could see there. But it goes back to what I just talked about with David Montgomery. There are a couple times, and look, this is the number one thing that comes with time for young running backs is you do see him maybe explode into holes a little bit early and not wait for something to develop, or he misses, like he bounces outside when he probably should stay inside and be patient. All things that we see young, young guys go through and learn. I, mean, I always go back to Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, didn't really play the first six weeks he was there, and then eventually was simply too good to not play. I mean, they cut Adrian Peterson because he was just like, clearly not as good as Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram at that time. So have patience. It will get there. He's on all my fantasy teams as well. Um, <laughs> I, I think we, I think we will see it. I, I think you got to just wait for a little bit and, and it'll come again. He practiced on Wednesday. Dan Campbell said it was a good day. We'll see if he can go uh, this weekend after missing uh, last week's game. And now uh, Bam Knight is out. So the lines are pretty thin um, at running back. And by the way, and Brad, you could back me up on this. Jalen Carter's PFF grade, I believe, is 91.8, which is tops among all defensive rookies. We love Brian Branch in Detroit, but, uh, man, that's pretty impressive for Carter so far, huh? Jalen Carter can no longer be compared to rookies. He needs to be compared to, like, Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. That, that's how good he is. I mean, he is he is a special, special player. Look, he fell for non-football reasons, and we don't need to get into a larger conversation about that. There's a reason the team picking a 10th overall, um, you know, who traded up to with Chicago at 9 to get him. Uh, obviously, you know, it was a luxury pick. It was the New Orleans Saints who sent the Eagles that pick. And they were willing to take that chance. They, they believed in their culture and their locker room, probably the most veteran-driven team in the entire NFL. I know fans hate hearing this. Look, I'm a Bears fan. Every Bears fan is disgusted that, that, that he is not on the Chicago Bears. But, yeah, no, he, he is one of the best pass rushers from the interior already in the NFL. I mean, he has nuance. He has, like I talk about, good use of his hands. He's good on stunts and twists. Like, he, I mean, yeah, he, he was the best player in this draft class, and that is already bearing out. All right, Brad, tell me a little bit about um... – Sam Laporta, you know, man, it's crazy to think that he he lasted as long as he did and going down into the second round, but he's just been unbelievable right now. What kind of pace is he on for rookie tight ends? 
it's remarkable. I mean, he's top five in like every single metric we have yards per route run, just, you know, traditional stats, receiving, receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, but then all the, also the advanced stuff. He's top five in receiving grade. He is a good blocker. And I think they also, you see their faith and trust in him. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll combo block and leak or he'll stay in as an inline. Like he's, he's being asked to do a lot and is delivering in every facet. But yeah, obviously the, the fun stuff is as a receiver. I mean, yeah, he's on pace to, you know, challenge like Mike Ditka records from, you know, back in the what the sixties, um, he is incredible. I mean, what a great pick! I love him coming out of, coming out of Iowa. I'm not surprised Dalton Kincaid was the first tight end, just because he's kind of a, a different athlete, kind of a mismatch, like you know, move tight end. But Laporta, yeah, I mean, he's on pace to genuinely shatter records among rookie tight ends. It's interesting because you know, Jamison Williams now is back, and they're easing him in and easing Gibbs in a little bit. But it seems like Laporta picked it up right away, and for that position with the reliance of the Ben Johnson offense, the, 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 the you know, the play action passing game and golf and what, what a fit that is. Right. Remarkable. And we talk about it all the time too. One of the slowest positions in the NFL to see adjustment, like even the best tight ends are not very productive as rookies. And they kind of figure it out because I think you have so many responsibilities, like your play, your playbook and your assignments and responsibilities might be the most of any player on either side of the ball, right? Because you are literally a blocker and a pass catcher, but yeah, I mean the touchdown pass, uh, you know, where he, where he was uh, rolled out to the right side up the seam and was wide open and Jared Goff hit him. I know it's a fun wrinkle. Other teams have ran, but like, yeah, like there's nuance in what he's doing. It's not just, hey, he's finding soft spots and zones, sitting down and making guys miss. Like he's running good routes. He can create separation against safeties and linebackers or the occasional slot corner. It's a it's a masterful fit, and, and it could only get better. And it's interesting, too, because we were watching the Packers the other night on Monday Night Football, and they also drafted a tight end pretty high. Uh, you know, Kincaid with Buffalo, but none of these guys are close to Laporta right now. I mean, Meyer was the pick after him, I want to say, you know, with, with yeah. the trade up for the Raiders. And he, I think he had one catch until he had a couple nice plays in that game against Green Bay. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, I also, as much as I did like Laporta, you know, when you come out of Iowa, they don't really do a whole lot in the passing game, not just for tight ends. They don't pass the ball, period. You know, uh, yeah. that, that's the Iowa Hawkeyes, right? They used to, yeah. They used to. That's true. Yeah, true. So, so yeah, so it, it's honestly impressive how quickly he's picked things up and developed. And yeah, Ben Johnson clearly has a ton of faith in him as a player. But yeah, I mean, he's the best tight end in this class. I, I already think he's a top seven tight end in the NFL. Wow. You know, it's it, like you said, it, and even in the in the blocking game in this offense, you've got to be able to block as a tight end. We know Brock Wright, uh, PFFs. You guys have been all over him. Is not performing, but like last year when the Lions had had Williams and Swift. You got to be able to block in the Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell, uh, uh, you know, offense. And and Laporta seems like that his run blocking grade's pretty good too, right? Yeah, yeah. So Wright and Mitchell were better last year. Probably just a small sample size thing there. But yeah, I mean, look, you, you trade T.J. Hawkinson for a reason. I don't think he's as bad of a blocker as you know. He's not. He's not a plus there. I don't think he's a, a massive minus compared to the position. But but Laporta already looks like it could be a, a net benefit in that in that aspect. And yeah. For every offense, but in particular this offense, you want to run a lot of duo. You want to use those guys as blockers. He already can do it. He's going to obviously be in that passing game you mentioned before about Sunday with Todd Bowles. Always different wrinkles, bringing corners off the edge. Antoine Winfield, who's a defensive back, is their like leading tackler and tackler tackling for loss. He's in the backfield all game. What do the Lions do? You think offensively, and 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 if St. Brown's able to go, which I think he will, you got to have him for this game. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I do think you are going to see a, a good bit of that Winfield Laporta matchup. Just kind of going back to that, he plays in the slot for them a lot. He takes number three receivers or tight ends that are flexed out, uh, you know, in the slot. So I think that'll be a good battle, and that's a very, very good football player in every aspect of football right now. So yeah, I think the biggest thing is getting the ball out quickly, continuing to you know not letting these pass rushers tee off because they really do have a good platoon. And you mentioned Cansey, obviously on the edge. Joe Tryon Shank is playing good football this year. Shaq Barrett looks healthy again, playing well. So. So they can rotate bodies and keep guys fresh. And so that's going to get you at the quarterback quicker. So, yeah, I'm going to St. Brown's going to be huge because I think you are going to see a lot of two-second, you know, five-step drop, hit the top of your drop, one hitch, get the ball out quickly. I think, you know, Jameson Williams more, obviously we think of him as a deep threat, but maybe you see some screens or slants or quick outs to him as well. I think that's going to be the key because Todd Bowles does sit back in a lot of zone. He'll let you win underneath. He kind of wants you to – try to, you know, have a 15-play drive, and eventually his philosophy is you're going to make a mistake against us. So I think that's the key. Don't make mistakes. Take what the defense gives you. As much as the deep shots have been working and have been fun, you know, live in that intermediate area and be comfortable with it. Yeah, Tampa Bay takeaway numbers are uh, very good. All right. Well, I want to get into the rest of the NFC a little bit with uh, Brad. Everybody's talking about the Lions now moving up to that three spot behind San Francisco and Philly. We'll ask Brad about that uh, coming up next. But what about our friends at Prize Picks? Hey, daily fantasy sports that is the most fun is at Price Picks because what you do is you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Think about this. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. You're watching the games and playing that way. It is a lot of fun. Saquon Barkley, Patrick Mahomes from last night, um, you know, whatever you're thinking about for this weekend, go for it. Justin Jefferson's out. What does that mean for the Vikings wide receivers? And K.J. Osborne, is he going to be over 100 yards or over 80 yards? Check out the projections and guess and pick over or under or more than or less than and watch the winnings come in. Do yourself a favor. Give it a shot. Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use the code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LOCKDOWNNFL. Pricepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, more with Brad Spielberger wrapping up with uh, Brad. Um, all right, so everybody's saying San Francisco, Philly. Are you also on the Lions at three in the NFC bandwagon right now? I think they're very much so in the conversation. I think after those top two, uh, I think it's, you know, Dallas, Detroit, Seattle, I am a fan of still, um, you know, and then a couple other plucky teams in the mix. But I think that that nucleus of five, I, I do think is a bit separated from the rest. And I'll say this, like, look, Philadelphia is a great football team, great organization, but we were just talking a ton about depth. I worry about some aspects of the Philadelphia Eagles where we've already seen a couple injuries in the secondary and they've been exploitable through the air. Like you can throw on that team right now. Um, and that's, you know, Darius Slade might not play this, you know, against the yeah. Jets this weekend. So another injury there. And then a receiver too, like obviously they have probably the best, one of the best, you know, duos in the NFL. If they lose AJ, uh, AJ Brown or Devonte Smith, I'm not really sure who they're throwing the ball to out wide. So obviously like them, obviously don't expect that to happen, but, the, the ability right now we've seen so far of Detroit and San Fran to navigate the injuries they've had and still be extremely productive. I wonder if, if the same thing is, is able to happen in Philadelphia. That could be, a, you know, but come week eight, 17, 18, you know, that, that's, that's how you get a leg up in the playoff race. You imagine four and one it's October 13th and some, and you and I were joking about this before I hit the record button. Some are saying the division's already over. I mean, the division's not good and the Lions are in great shape, but, I, I want to be patient, but I do understand, and reality is kicking in here. No Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. Chicago's a mess. 
there's a lot going well and right right now for the Lions in this division. Yeah, I think they are talent-wise a significantly better football team than the rest of the three teams. I mean, obviously, uh, Green Bay, I mean, you know, the Detroit killed them in their own building, but even the, the games they did win against New Orleans, you injured Derek Carr, and you have, you know, great game management, great coaching by Matt LaFleur to go for two on the first touchdown and, you know, avoid overtime. Very, very sharp out of him, but, I mean, they could be a one-and-four football team right now as well. It could be Four and one and three one and fours without a couple, you know, key things swinging their way. I've, you know, it, it is early in the Jordan Love era. He has not looked good to me. He's one of our least accurate quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Mm. And then, you know, he ha- he'd had the fewest pressures uh, allowed through the first four weeks. And I think you saw Max Crosby. You saw the Lions get after him, um, and, and that came way down. His efficiency against pressure is not very good. So. Yeah, I think Detroit. Not, we're not going to get ahead of our skis here. We're not going to, you know, but but they are they are the class of this division. I'm not really sure it's particularly close for 2023. It's crazy too. I know the Bears are a complete mess, although have been better as of late. And uh, you know, I know you watch the Vikings closely. I, do you think they trade Cousins? I mean, what now that Jefferson's going to be out for a while? What's next for them? Honestly, I think like they would maybe more open to moving Cousins than I think. It's really two teams. It's the Jets and the Falcons because trading a quarterback at the deadline is borderline impossible. Like I, we love talking about it, but to pick up new verbiage, to develop chemistry, to learn a new system, you know, it's just so hard to do. But you know, he obviously plays in a similar offense as those teams. I don't think they move him, but I do think Daniel Hunter is the big name to watch in Minnesota, and he's the best defensive player on the team and, and the next best might be a, I don't know, 33 year old Harrison Smith. And then it gets hard to name names after that. I mean, it's one of the worst defenses in the NFL, honestly, credit to Brian Flores for, you know, blitzing at the highest rate in the league and doing different things just to mitigate the lack of talent. But um, yeah, I think Kirk stays, but guys like Daniel Hunter, maybe a guy like KJ Osborne, like other, you know, lower level players. I think they could, especially if they lose against Chicago this weekend, I think the smart thing for them to do would be to, to sell off and, and get some draft picks. I'll put you on the spot. Lions win this week? Yeah. So I actually love the Lions this week. You know, I know the Bucs come off a bye. I know they've played better. But actually 26th in success rate on offense this season. So they've relied a ton on explosive plays. They're like top 10 in EPA per play, which I've mentioned 10 times now. But success rate is simply just looking at on a down-to-down basis, are you staying ahead of the chain? So are you getting, I think it's 60% of the yardage needed on first down, 40% on second down, maybe I flipped those, 40, 60, and then obviously on third down, are you getting a first down? So in that area, they're not good. They've had a bunch of, you know, Mike Evans bombs or guys forcing missed tackles and breaking off big gains, but they actually have not been very efficient on a down-to-down basis. This isn't a gambling show, but yeah, the Detroit minus three is one of my biggest bets of the weekend. <laughs> wow. All right. Brad, great to see you as always. Thanks for doing it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Brad Spielberger, the salary cap guru at PFF and also an NFL analyst joining us today on this Friday edition of Locked On Lions. We'll talk to you Sunday after Lions and Bucks.